Are you making the same mistakes I did? Putting a ton of time in for no results. But we hear you, and we're to help. You don't have to do this by yourself. You just gotta tune in and neck the blueprint. Let Dr. Todd show you how to do it. Don't got no time to waste, let's go. This is neck the blueprint, let's start the show. Oh. All right, we are live once again on the Nectar Blueprint Lessons with Legends. I'm uh, super excited to have uh, Chris Burris on today, and I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. <laughs> um, yes. But, uh, Awesome. Um, Chris, introduce yourself. And obviously, it's always good when we when we go into the science talk to give a, a little bit of background, um, obviously, how you got involved with uh, this incredible molecule. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to learn your story. So dive in. Yeah, so I'm the scientist. I'm the chief chief scientist at, at My Vital C. I've actually been manufacturing this molecule. We'll jump into that uh, in a second since 1991. So when wow. I was in college, my business partner for 32 years uh, and I got to, to know each other in a physics class and he was actually working at the Texas Center for Superconductivity. That's a, an organization housed onside the University of Houston campus. That's where we both attended. And he was separating this molecule. Uh, the professor came in one day and was like, hey, uh, you guys are some young guys. This molecule is selling for $6,000 a gram. You should go start a company. Uh, and I wasn't one of the initial kind of two guys who was supposed to be involved in the company. Uh, but they needed my help. I was studying mechanical engineering. They wanted to build a reactor to manufacture this molecule. And I had the expertise to, to help them do that. And so I was supposed to like, come on, come on, can do some consulting, put some drawings together for them. And then I was supposed to go away. Uh, and it turned out the, the other business partner went away and, and my business partner, Robert and I have been like I said, in business since 1991. The molecule I'm talking about, if you're watching, is, is this molecule, right? If you're listening, I want you to imagine a soccer ball where the lines on the soccer ball represent the bonds between the carbon atoms. So you have a spherical molecule of 60 carbon atoms. It was discovered here in Houston at Rice University. That's where we're based in Houston. And uh, the three scientists who made the discovery actually won the Nobel Prize for that discovery. And they won that Nobel Prize in 1996. So a short 11 years from uh, 85 to 96, 11 years from discovery to being awarded the Nobel Prize. They were awarded the Nobel Prize because this molecule is absolutely amazing. It's the first closed cage molecule. So there's actually a new symbol in chemistry because of this molecule. Uh, I think that may be one of the ways you know you're going to win a Nobel Prize, right? Like if you're adding symbols to physics or chemistry, <laughs> you know, that's uh, or if, if your discoveries are, <laughs> that's a, a good indication, right? And that new symbol is actually the at symbol. It turns out, uh, if you imagine that closed cage soccer ball molecule, it's big enough for any atom on the periodic chart to fit inside of it. Uh, so lanthanum at C60, because it's 60 carbon atoms in this molecule, um, is not lanthanum, you know, ionically bonded on the exterior or covalently bonded. It's actually physically trapped inside of it. So that's a, a new symbol in chemistry. The molecule, I mean, that's amazing in and of itself, but... Um, it turns out to perform as well or better than the current best materials in almost every application. So like better inks, better batteries, better tires, better photo cells. Um, it, it really is an amazing molecule. Uh, now, they actually thought because some of the, the shapes on the exterior of this soccer ball shaped molecule represent like benzene, right? So they have the same shape as benzene. Uh, 
Um, Benzene is also an amazing molecule. We don't have modern society without benzene. Uh, If you just kind of glance around wherever you're at, anything that's plastic doesn't exist without the benzene ring. A lot of medicines, a lot of detergents, you know, modern society is 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 really dependent on the chemistry born out of the benzene ring. But that benzene ring is also it's known to be toxic. It's known to be carcinogenic. And so in general, on its own, you don't want to be around it. So they assumed because of the benzene shapes on the exterior of this cage, uh, they assumed that this molecule would be toxic and they put it in a toxicity study. Uh, and the results of that toxicity study were published in 2012. Uh, and instead of being toxic, well, in that study, they gave, in this case, it was Wistar rats, water, olive oil, and then olive oil with the molecule. And, and we start kind of shifting from C60 to ESS60 if you're going to consume it, right? So these rats were consuming it. Uh, they gave them uh, olive oil with ESS60 in it. Instead of being toxic, the test subjects that they gave uh, the the olive oil with the ESS60 molecule, really the My Vital C formula to lived 90% longer than the control group, right? So so you think about, um, hey, this molecule selling for $6,000 a gram. That's amazing, right? Significantly higher than the price of gold, even to today. And that was back in 91. Um, yeah. And then you think about a 90% extension of life. It's It's pretty phenomenal. And that's really kind of what put me in this place. I didn't you know, go back. I, I I am a scientist. I'm back in the lab regularly, but I did not go back in the lab to invent something that would extend life by 90%. Uh, I've just been manufacturing this molecule since 1991. And now we have this amazing study. And now I'm sharing the information with as many people as possible. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, when we, when we look at, um, I am like an architect buff and any, any travels that we do, I'm always looking at structure and, um, I've read on structures and, and, um, you know, when you look in, in nature, when you have like that, that structure, it's obviously the more stable it is, uh, the better it is. And those, those, um, those forms, like you talked about benzene, but, um, so my limited understanding and, and, we kind of have a hybrid group where um, I, I, I lead doctors, we teach doctors and, and do things like that, but also the lay public. But my limited understanding, is, so this is like it's made out of a gas with a laser or it, that's how it was found or walk me through the process of how you guys isolate that, that, that carbon 60. Yeah. All right. Well, so we'll get in some kind of juicy. This is good stuff, right? This is like, <laughs> yeah. how did this Nobel Prize actually get awarded? Because there's actually some history behind it and it, it, it almost didn't happen, right? Like, like so many amazing discoveries, it almost Discovery. didn't happen, at least at this time. It turns out that a year before uh, the publication, the, the, the Rice University scientists published this in Nature, um, IBM got the exact same results and they just dismiss, dismissed them as an anom- anomaly. So I'll talk, uh, I'll kind of walk you through that once we get through the, 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 the interpersonal working. So one of the scientists who won the Nobel Prize is a, is a professor, Harold Croto. He's out of the UK and he's an astrophysicist. And he had actually noticed some spectra, right? Some light spectrum coming in from space and didn't, couldn't really identify what was generating that spectra. And at Rice University, Dr. Smalley had this amazing piece of equipment. You mentioned laser. Basically, it would shine a laser on a target and you would it would vaporize that target, right? Because this very powerful laser it vaporizes it. 
At, the, at that same moment, a puff of inert gas would take it into a mass spectrometer. And that's just a, a, that's just a measurement device that can let you know the size of each of the molecules that were pushed into that chamber, right? So laser, puff of gas, now what, what, is, it, what is getting created? And so Harold Croto came to Dr. Smalley and he was like, hey, I'd like to put carbon in this, right? Because I have a theory that carbon is the thing causing the spectrum in space. And Dr. Smalley was like, carbon is boring. Like I'm working on really sexy things like titanium and, you know, modified steels, and I'm not putting any boring old carbon in my device. So Harold Croto goes back to the UK, comes back to Houston, another trip. Round two, I really think you should put some carbon in this amazing device that you have. Richard Smalley again, carbon is boring. I'm not putting it in my device. And he, and he goes away the second time rejected. Finally, the third time he comes back, you should put carbon in this. Again, still boring, but one of uh, Dr. Smalley's grad student, um, his name's Heath, uh, he actually said, listen, uh, Dr. Croto, I'm going to come in over the weekend. I'll put some of your boring old carbon in this machine and we'll see what happens, right? And we'll have some results on Monday. And what he did, so if you're vaporizing graphite, in this case, copper, I mean, carbon, graphite, um, what you think you are making is really graphene sheets, right? Like individual sheets. And then that mass, spect mass spectrometer will say, how big are these sheets, right? Are, are there, you know, 50 carbon atoms in this sheet? Is it 40 carbon atoms? How big are they? And you notice a slight peak at 60. And this begs the question is, why would there be any stability of a flat sheet at 60 over, say, 59 or 61? Like, why does adding one carbon to a flat sheet make any difference. And and actually, if it's a flat sheet, it does not, right? Like there is no difference. Like it just happened to have a carbon close enough to it. And so it made a sheet of 59 versus 60 versus 61. Um, and he was actually able to tweak the machine and get and, and, and exaggerate that peak at 60. And actually, there was a small peak at 70. Also, that's the next uh, most abundant fullerene. And we'll talk about the naming because you mentioned uh, architecture here in a second. Um, so he took those results in on Monday. All of the scientists agreed, unlike the IBM scientists a year before, all of these scientists agreed, this is so something's here. There has to be something structurally different that is causing this to, to land at C60 instead of 59 or 61. Are you a natural healthcare provider that is tired of trading time for money? A chiropractor, naturopath, homeopathic doctor, even a medical doctor that's tired of the mainstream healthcare system and desire a blueprint to integrate the latest and greatest in science and natural approaches to clinical outcomes. Things like advanced nutritional protocols, IV therapies, IV nutritional therapies, like major autohemotherapy, ultraviolet blood irradiation, things like regenerative joint medicine, medical weight loss, or even stem cell therapies, then I have a blueprint for you. If you're a patient that's suffering with chronic disease, a degenerative joint, or a stuck metabolism that can't lose weight, then we have a protocol for you. Drop me a DM now for one-on-one -on -one conversation to how we're helping doctors and patients be able to get the outcomes they desire, to transform their lives, to transform their bodies, to optimize their health with a blueprint today. And then there's this really kind of cool moment that's described where Richard Smalley is piecing together some papers that he's cut out and it's in the shape of a soccer ball and he drops it and it bounces. And that's that eureka moment of realizing that 
Uh, carbon 60 is the soccer ball shaped molecule. Wow. Now, you mentioned architecture, right? Because this this soccer ball shape is in the shape of the geodesic dome. That's a that's the that's an architectural stru structure. If we're you know at Epcot Center, uh, that's the dome. I often see them like when you're driving down a beach, right? These small domed houses. These are the geodesic domes. And a guy by the name of Buckminster Fuller didn't invent it, but actually brought it to prominence. I think he actually patented it, but he didn't invent it and brought it to prominence and really had a theory of actually building a geodesic dome over all of Manhattan at one point. Like this was, you know, structurally, structurally feasible. Uh, and so, th so that was one of his goals. So the, the name of these is fullerene. So carbon 60, soccer ball shaped, uh, fullerene, carbon 70, it's a little more rugby ball shaped, also a fullerene. There's a whole gamut of fullerenes. And the most abundant, again, is this ES, it, it, we call it ESS 60 if you're going to consume it. Uh, and it's kind of, commonly known as the Bucky ball. And I just hope one day that they make Bucky batteries because it does actually do really well as a battery because I just totally. like the sound of Bucky batteries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Uh, one of my favorite books was um, um, Brunelleschi's Dome and it was like the quest um, in um, started out in Italy to be able to perfect the dome. And of course that dome is what we see in every um, state capital and like you mentioned uh, architecture all over the place there too you mentioned ibm what what was the the quick side story there i mean they had they had maybe played with this concept or um were trying to invent what uh, with that so a lot of what ibm does they have one of the larger kind of research it's just straight up research labs in in the in the world um and so they were just researching with carbon and they had a similar machine i don't know if it was laser bladed or maybe it was just a arc bladed right so just a you, you were actually vaporizing uh graphite with some sort of arc but they had a similar type of piece of equipment they had a similar peak at 60 right and so not the one that heath was able to tweak and make significantly pronounced but uh, but a noticeable peak which 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 does not have explanation again if you're just making flat sheets like there's no reason to have a flat sheet of 60 over a flat sheet of 59 or 61 and so they had the same data and and actually there's even it's it's been a, an interesting journey and, and and I'm about to to publish a book that talks about all of this because I remember being at a conference where I had like where where IBM's group and and the Rice group here out of Houston they were like arguing with each other from stage about how this was actually a real thing or not a real thing and Rice was saying hey had you guys gotten on board this science would be would have progressed like 12 months faster and like, who knows where we would be. Uh, and I find those things amazing, right? There's part of us that believes like science, or, or at least me, right? As a scientist, like getting through college, science is black or white, right? But it's not until it is, right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's open for discussion. And then even when it is black or white, it's still open for discussion. It doesn't mean that there's a spectrum of correct ideas, but it means there's uh, a spec there, there is the ability to debate what has already been made clear right but debating something and i think this is this got lost on the public during during covid debating something doesn't mean that there's a spectrum of right there isn't a spectrum of right there is a right answer and we're still you know we still have the right to debate that answer 
Oh, that's so huge. Um, we've had conversations with uh, uh, previous guests about that and and keeping science open. I I said it and I, I I'm retracting it, but I I said at the time in healthcare that's where we where science died. I mean, we just we lost the scientific <laughs> method, <laughs> and because I like you guys, like people like you are giving me hope back in science that we're actually you know tech and science we're doing stuff we're progressing still, but you know in healthcare it was just like we're not asking these questions. We didn't even do the scientific method on any of this stuff. And, and we had patterns that, that uh, just got, um, you know, especially with viruses and things like that, that just got thrown by the way, wayside that we, we need to test the virulence of this thing. And we never did that. And then we threw uh, other stuff. Anyways, that's, <laughs> that's um, some digression there, but phenomenal backstory to this thing. And so um, there had to be a moment where you guys were um, taking this, this structure and then saying, yeah, with the talks reports coming back as increasing 90%. Holy shit, that's incredible as far as longevity. Um, and of course, it's happening in rats. Can we extrapolate that to humans? So take me through that process. We're, I mean, that's some forward thinking for, for you guys to be able to say, hey, how can we extrapolate this? And Yeah, I, I think the best way to kind of picture that is... Um, and I described this, you know, with a little tongue in cheek that that both my business partner and I were happy go lucky carbon nanomaterial scientists. And we saw this study come out and we did it. We did actually meet. We're like, hey, you know, do we want to do something with this? And and at first we, we barely met about it. Right. And then about a year into it. So that was published mid 2012, about mid 2013. We started getting phone calls from people saying, hey, uh, how much of this should I be consuming daily? And you have to imagine us conservative carbon nanomaterial scientists going, wait a minute, you're asking me that this stuff that I sell to research institutions around the world to put into ink, batteries, tires, and photocells, you're asking me how much of that should you consume? And our immediate response, because we're conservative scientists, was zero. Like, you shouldn't consume this. Um, and we actually added not for human consumption to our labeling. You think, you know, started the company in, in uh, 1991. Uh, and then in mid 2013, we're adding not for human consumption to our labeling for the first time. And I do want I do want to like be transparent here. The data and the literature was if you processed it safely. Right. We call that ESS 60. It is safe. But we are conservative scientists. This is brand new selling for inks, batteries, tires and photocells. We added not for human consumption uh, in mid 2013. And then we really met every quarter to talk about, like, what are we going to do with this? Like, is this something that we want to pursue? And and really, we decided uh, that the answer was no. Like every time we got together and said, hey, this is, you know, maybe the phone's ringing a little bit more. We're getting amazing testimonials on a product that says not for human consumption. So you want to talk about the opposite of the placebo effect, right? Like, no, don't take this. Hey, it's giving me these these benefits. Like, you mean those benefits are happening for your rat, right? Because it literally <laughs> says not for human consumption oh. on the labeling. Um, and in the middle of this, right, I found a paper. This is a peer-reviewed published paper that showed that 50% of the supplements that this particular research group had tested did not have in them what they said they had in them, right? This is the opposite of this carbon nanomaterial science business that we're in. Because as soon as we sell and ship a product, the first thing that research is going to do is they're going to give it to a lab assistant. They're going to give it to a graduate student. 
who actually has an HPLC, who actually knows how to test this, this product and make sure that we delivered what we sold them. That is not what's, this may, may not surprise you, that is not what's happening in the supplement industry. Like right. nobody's even counting the tablets. I, 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 I kind of have this story where they're, they're not weighing the tablets, they're not counting the tablets, they're not confirming that they have even vitamin C, ascorbic acid in them. They're just going, well, that's good. And if they put a five-star rating on Amazon, by the way, don't use Amazon ratings to figure out what supplements you wanna be taking because what Thank does a five-star rating actually mean? Right. It just it just doesn't mean anything. So those industries are very desperate, right, like very far apart. Uh, and then finally, in, at, at the latter part of 2017, a guy with a big YouTube following started talking about all the benefits he was getting, taking it on a daily basis. And our phone went from like two to three calls, amazing calls, right, amazing testimonials a week to like 10 calls a day. And that's when my business partner was like, OK, well, this is, you know, yes, we're happy go lucky carbon nanomaterial scientists. We're also our entrepreneurs, and this is clearly an opportunity bigger than, than what we ever realized. And we asked ourselves kind of the two main questions. The first is a moral question. Are we comfortable selling it? I take it. My wife takes it. Everybody on our team takes it. By the way, not a requirement. You don't have to take our product to work on our team, <laughs> but they all do. Um, and then the next is the legal issue, like the FDA and the FTC. You got to cross the T's, dot the I's. Uh, and we're doing that. And so really, it was the beginning of 2018 that that we started pushing this out as a as a retail uh, supplement. Uh, and then I started kind of working hard to get this message to as many people as possible. Incredible again. And I love the concept that, um, you know, the public kind of did your case studies, which you might have not <laughs> been able to do as a scientist. And, and, uh, you know, we get held to these standards too, where it's just like, yeah, it's not ethical or we can't test it, you know, on human subjects. Uh, Dr. Levy, who wrote the book Curing the Incurable with Vitamin C, I had him on uh, a couple months ago and, um, his rapid virus, um, uh, recovery uh, book he was talking about nebulizing with uh, hydrogen peroxide and he gifted it to his i think it was his sister-in-law um down in south america and she did all his case studies which he said you couldn't control for it wasn't really ethical because there was other aspects of of health that we could have implemented you know so you wouldn't just do one thing and isolate especially with covid and that how um, dangerous and virulent that was but he's like here you go i had all these case studies of uh they they just took the the product and ran with it so um that's I love that. I love that. And so then you guys just jumped in and started manufacturing it with the olive oil. And did you, were you held to a standard? Do you have to do, uh, you know, human trials with this and um, being a scientist? I know there's a lot behind that when you, when you're, you're talking about human consumption. Well, so, so some, like some of my journey was like, first, okay, so can we sell this, right? Like, let's do the research yeah. and make sure that, you know, we're not breaking the law by, by actually making this available. Uh, and and I'll, I remember the day on the FDA website when I read and I took a screenshot because I was convinced that this was going to come down immediately. Um, and what it's, it actually says, that this is the FDA's involvement with supplements is you do not have to prove that a supplement is safe before you bring it to the market. And I'll tell you why that's actually reasonable, as unreasonable as that sounds you just have to report serious adverse side effects. So our legal responsibility as we bring this to the market is to port, report serious side effects. And, and just, just to be clear, like to give you a, a picture of what that means is like, if there is a serious side effect, 
that doesn't mean that the product gets shut down right away. That just means we're doing our due diligence and we're letting, hey, you know, there are some cases here where this might happen. By the way, we haven't had to report. We don't have any reports of any serious side effects with our product, which is pretty amazing. Nice. Part of it is it's because, you know, it's olive oil and carbon. Uh, olive oil is no like there are extremely rare allergies to olive olive oil. And frankly, any case that we might have to report would probably be more leaning on allergic reaction than any other type of adverse reaction. So I took that picture. Now, why is that reasonable? So Dr. Todd, you could come out with a, a supplement and it could be 10% vitamin C and 90% vitamin D. And then I could come out one with one that's 10% vitamin D and 90% vitamin C, right? Those are separate supplements. And there's no way that, and it turns out that the FDA does not have the bandwidth to kind of go through this and go like, okay, Dr. Todd, you can you can put yours out there, but Chris, no, or yes to both. Like there's just not enough volume. So it really is a, a, a reactive type of system. And um, and it's done pretty well. Like in, in, in reality, it's a, it does a, a pretty good, it goes out and does shut down organizations that aren't doing right by consumers. Uh, and then and gives the gives the kind of market opportunity to present products on, in, into the market. So um, that that's kind of where where that's at. That was my first goal is a hey, like, what are the legal requirements? Because we want to make sure that we're doing all of those. And we're very unique because we were already manufacturing the molecule. We're the largest manufacturer and distributor of the molecule really since 1991. We're the first company. Right. Our lab is the first company to ever deliver commercial quantities of carbon nanomaterials. Um, that still exists. So one company did beat us, but they didn't even make it nine months. Uh, here we are 32 years later. So, um, yeah. you know, we're kind of the kings of this. Not only that, in that original publication where the test subjects live 90% longer, uh, our lab provided the material and our lab is mentioned in that study. So we really are the foundation of this science. Um, and and we're, we're delivering what we believe is the, is the highest quality product that's that's available. Um, and, and really, that's where we lean on ESS-60. We say that carbon-60 is for industrial applications. And there is, in fact, peer-reviewed published research that shows if it's improperly processed, it's harmful. And then ESS-60 is C60 that's been processed for safer human consumption. Wow. So excuse my ignorance on this. Um, have you guys been able to or find it any other places in nature? I mean, with a with a, uh, I know it, I, I know you guys made it in a lab, but, um, uh, like my staff just hit me with this and, uh, we work with some peptides and GLP one inhibitors, and we've seen some phenomenal results with this. And one of my staff just brought in a, a random, um, article that was, uh, was talking about like, um, Pacific tea that has this peptide like in it, <laughs> like it's naturally occurring in this, this tea. But I, I guess the question is, yeah, has it been um, isolated since in in different components uh, or of foods or down at that microscopic level, molecular level at all? Yeah, that's that's a great question because a lot of people, and and I'm certainly in this camp, like, oh, it, you know, it's 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 entirely man made. Then I want to have even more data, like the the this the, the requirement, the standard of of safety, kind of gets bumped up for me. Um, it turns out that this is actually a naturally occurring molecule. So if you collect the soot from a candle, so like you've got a candle flame, you take a cold plate of steel on top of that candle flame, you'll get a black soot on that panel. That black soot has parts per million, parts per billion of this ESS-60 molecule. So the reality is we have all been exposed to this molecule 
already. And, and, you know, maybe we were exposed to a lot more of it in the past. Um, there, it also exists, uh, there's the KT boundary, uh, that is it, it geologically associated with the, the asteroid striking the earth, the massive one that killed off the dinosaurs that yeah. has an enriched level of C60. Um, and then in space, they now ad- identified that Dr. Croto was actually correct that that spectra out in space, there's just gobs of, of this molecule out in space. So it's a naturally occurring molecule. Now, the next kind of question is you think about we're aware that synthetic hormones are slightly different than our own natural hormones, right? Maybe in organic chemistry, uh, having the exact same chemical structure off to the right versus off to the left, you have a kind of left hand, right hand uh, uh, leaning uh, molecules, those can be different. And there are some subtle differences between synthetic hormones and, and, and natural hormones. In the case of this soccer ball shaped molecule, because it's so simple, there is no difference between something that you would make in our reactor, something that you would collect from soot. It's just so simple. It's 60 carbon atoms in the shape of a soccer ball. Uh, so one is like the other is like the other. There, there, there really is no right or left-handed version of, of a C60 molecule. So, uh, so it, is, it is identical to the naturally occurring product. Yeah, it's like complete. <laughs> it wants to be there. Uh, yeah. So, so then let's, um, if you don't mind, uh, dive into the physiology or the biochemistry, if you want, of uh, this longevity and how that is happening. Um, I know at the a superficial level, we all talk about antioxidants, which are just protectors of cells. I test, I test for these things. We we look at um, like uh, I love bioelectrical bio- impedance because it gives me angles of, uh, of electricity through a body and, and antioxidant protection. So there's different ways when we look at this, but I, I, I don't want to minimize, you know, um, increasing lifespan, you know, <laughs> by just an antioxidant, even though it's a very important. <laughs> 90%. <laughs> so yeah. Walk through that physiology or biochemistry. Yeah. I, yeah. A lot of, I, I kind of, kind of like this. Uh, so so I'll tell the story of these rats living 90% longer, and, and I tend to get two results, uh, two responses. Uh, so one of them is uh, from New Yorkers. They're like, why would you want rats to live longer? Like, this is a bad <laughs> thing. You should bury this research, and no one should ever see this research ever again. <laughs> yeah, so true. And the next is like, what... <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the mechanism like why what is driving this and kind of in the early stage we, we I, I would kind of hang the hat on two things right medical community and this is debatable but medical community talks about aging as an oxidative process and as an inflammation process and so our product it turns out can tick both of those boxes and i'll, I'll kind of walk you through that um, first is as an antioxidant, there's uh, ad hoc studies out on the web showing it to be 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. And then there's, uh, there's actually peer-reviewed published research showing it to be 125 times more powerful than vitamin C. So that's, yeah, check the box of, of antioxidant. Um, when it comes to inflammation, the FDA has very strict guidelines about what can be said. And what the FDA will allow us to say is that it helps exercise-induced inflammation. So if you're experiencing, you know, maybe you had a tough workout or maybe you just walked longer than you normally do, you have that inflamed sense of uh, uh, throughout your body, our product definitely helps with that uh, level of inflammation. What we can't yet say is that it helps with other types of inflammations because those inflammations are associated, directly associated with diseases like Alzheimer's and, and um 
uh, arthritis and you know so many of these diseases that are that are leaning on 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 inflammation. We can say uh, that this fits perfectly in with an anti-inflammatory diet, right? That's the diet typically associated with the blue zone people. Those are a group of people who tend to live longer, uh, tend to have reduced incidence of heart attacks, tend to have a reduced incidences of stroke. And so, yeah, we do fit into that anti-inflammatory diet. And then, so, so, so that's one kind of potential method of operation. Uh, our most consistent testimonial is that people take it in the morning, they report mental energy and focus during the day, and then better sleep that night. So that's kind of the second place to hang your hat. Whatever the testimonial is, and it's kind of amazing because they are head-to-toe testimonials, if you're getting better sleep, we all know that better sleep is good for your mental, physical, and emotional well-being. And so, so now you've got uh, an answer, like a place to hang your hat. Hey, if you're just getting better sleep, that's going to help your physiology. And then recently, we've kind of put together this theory based on some of the, the research that's out there. And it's called the BOSS theory, buffering oxidative stress system. So we know that this molecule, this ESS60 molecule, gets into the mitochondria, right? Peer-reviewed published research shows it present in the mitochondria. Kind of your, your, your audience probably knows this. Mitochondria, powerhouse of every cell. Uh, you've got somewhere between 50 and 5,000 mitochondria in almost every cell in your body. Uh, and, and they're the things that basically convert the food that we've digested that's in your bloodstream into ATP, the energy source that your cells actually use. It also does a lot of signaling stuff, uh, but that's kind of the key component. As with any energy producing thing that we're kind of familiar with, there are some bad byproducts, right? Your car driving down the road, it's got the exhaust. A power plant has the smokestack. Well, mitochondria produce reactive oxygen species, and those are usually handled by the resident antioxidants of glutathione and melatonin. So here's where the boss theory comes in, because even back in, in the 90s, when this was discovered, we knew that it could hold up six electrons, negatively charged particles, uh, and reactive oxygen species are negatively charged particles. So here's what the buffering oxidative stress system looks like. I like to kind of imagine you're at, uh, you're at Bourbon Street at the end of a, of a Mardi Gras, right? And your reactive yes. oxygen species are the drunk guys running around the streets, smashing up cars and windows. And your glutathione and melatonin are the police handcuffing themselves to these reactive oxygen species and getting them off Bourbon Street. Well, once we, we, we understand that different parts of our body can get depleted of different components, if that mitochondria is depleted of glutathione or melatonin, then the presence of ESS60 allows it to act like a paddy wagon, right? Where these reactive oxygen species get attached to the exterior of the cage. And then when that mitochondria is able to replenish the glutathione and the melatonin or metal, melatonin, they can come in, grab those reactive oxygen species and, and move them on to the you know, next stage of life, right? Um, so that makes it a unique component inside the mitochondria and for me, that's really where I hang the hat now. Like that explains head-to-toe testimonials that we get from, from, our, from our customers. So uh, let me see if I got this right. It's basically a holding tank for those oxidative stressors. Stressors, so, yep. Yeah, that's incredible because, you know, like our typical antioxidants, and I can't remember the exchange rates. I just know like alpha-lipoic was one of the – one of the um, the kings of that where it, it could take on, say, uh, three of those oxidative species 
and it would only give off like one where vitamin C is like a two to one vitamin E is a little bit better, you know, things like that. But this is it. So the oxidative ex exchange on that is what virtually zero. Cause it's just, well, on to these so current theory is that it's just holding on to them. Right. And that then that, that makes it so one, it prevents them from, you know, I kind of like, they're like bumper cars running around doing damage into everything they bump into, right. Oxidizing everything they bump into. Um, but if you've got them held onto this ESS 60 molecule, again, when the glutathione or melatonin, and you, you mentioned vitamin C is available. Um, I, I don't think vitamin C gets into the mitochondria, but it is certainly working throughout the body. Then it can grab onto that reactive oxygen species as it traditionally does. Um, and it just works as this buffer while your body is replenishing the natural antioxidants. So, re yeah, it gets the reduction reaction going on there, too. Uh, do you do you guys know how long it hangs on to that or is it indefinite? There's a couple of things, you know, people ask regularly, like, how does the how long does this re reside in your body? Um it's probably around 10 days for the majority of the material, right? So if, if you're consuming, I don't know, let's say uh, 0.8 milligrams, because there's about 0.8 milligrams per milliliter in, in the olive oil product. If you've got about 0.8 milligrams, what they're noticing is it, to the degree to which they can measure it, it's coming out of test subjects, in this case, you know, rats, uh, in, within 10 days. Now, but you got to throw into this amazing fact, in that original study, they didn't give any of the rats, any of the, the components, that's water, olive oil, or olive oil with ESS-60, until month 10. And then the last dosage was month 17. And even though the last dose was month 17, a typical Wistar rat lives out to 32 months. And the ones given really the My Vital C formula lived out to 62 months. Right. So knowing that this can get into the mitochondria, it's highly probable that some components were left in the mitochondria and doing their job. Right. Doing this buffering oxidative, oxidative stress system, but that the majority of it was actually traceable in feces. Right. So you can think uh, just as an example, each drop of our product has 475 times more of these molecules than you have cells in your body. That's how small they are, right? Wow. So if it's leaving a couple of these ESS-60 molecules in different components and the rest of it's just, you know, coming out in feces, then you would say, hey, it's getting processed uh, in 10 days. But in order to have the last dose at 17 and the last rat die at month, you know, on average at month 62, like there, there are something pretty phenomenal going on there. So... I'm I'm just kind of making some notes and kind of thinking. I, it, this is like basically a chelation. What chelation does for metals, um, this does for oxidative stressors. That that is phenomenal mm. to me. So you guys have to be then um, knocking on the door of um, all of the biohacking world and 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 leading leading in tech and and science and all this type of stuff is is that methylation reaction on DNA. Okay, which of course, if the DNA goes cattywampus, gets oxidized um, because of this free radical damage, it loses the blueprint. We can we can go down cancer, we can go down disease states, executing what mom and dad have, you know, all those types of things. Plus um, the, the telomeres and 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 that the extension of life is essentially keeping those things from being oxidized. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, th those are those are certainly things that we're considering. Um, I can share. I, I, I was at the biohacking conference recently. It was in, in Orlando. Actually, yeah. phenomenal. Got, just met so many amazing people. And and biohackers are just a fun, wacky group. <laughs> right. Those the biohackers <laughs> yeah. were the ones who were calling us going, um, hey, how much of this stuff that you use in inks, batteries, tires and photo cells should I be consuming? Um, and, and I can affectionately. Uh, Right. Affectionately call them crazy because now now I am one like this is this is what I do is like, hey, what are the things that are available? What might be might the mechanisms be? And then how do we move this forward? Um, so it, so it's pretty exciting. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we're looking at that at that conference. I actually uh, came across a booth Glycan Age, uh, which look at looks at your glycans in terms of the different ways that they respond as you tend to age. So I did this test. And um, so it, I'm, I'm very proud to announce, although I am actually 54, uh, my glycan age is 21. Like, I don't even know if I would want to be younger. What does it look like to be <laughs> younger from a glycan age, you know, from a glycon per perspective? But uh, that's, I'm pr pretty excited about that and um, actually have a call with them scheduled and, and kind of going to dig into that. I also have a, a, a health summit. Uh, that's going to I'm going to start kind of doing the interviews for that. That summit's going to be coming out in January. Uh, I'm excited about that. That's like a, a, a seven day summit of just experts in longevity um, and uncovering the secrets of longevity. Uh, Live beyond the norms is the title. So I'm I'm pretty excited. It's going to be a lot of work, and but I'm excited about, frankly, all the people I'm going to get to interview. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that something that doctors can attend or jump into? You want to give me some dates on that or, you know, speak to. Yeah, so it's it's an online summit, right? And it's with an organization called Health Means, and they run summits regularly. Uh, and I'm uh, really what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to interview about thirty to thirty five, and I'm kind of putting together. So we have the title, kind of have the concept behind it, and now I'm putting out like who do I want to be speaking on this? Like you know, what are the diseases of aging? How do we currently mitigate the diseases of aging? And what are the cutting edge ways to mitigate the diseases of aging? What does it look like to live longer? You also got to like, what's the point of living longer if you're not like living a happy and fulfilled life? So I've got kind of Absolutely. emotional pieces into it. I'm excited about what what I'm putting together and and really I'm spending a, a couple hours a day kind of curating the speakers who are going to be joining us on, the, on that health summit. That's awesome. So if doctors want to look for that approximate dates or do you know when yet? Yeah, uh, it's going to be the latter part of January. I, I should have this on a one sheet right in front of me, literally oh. putting together the people who are going to be in it now. Um, yeah, so it's uh, actually fe the, the early part of February, February 5th through the 10th. And, and people can reach out to me just uh, uh, I haven't made it that convenient. But if they want to reach out and, and kind of get ready for this, uh, send me uh, an inquiry uh, by going to going to the website. And and I'll actually put together awesome. uh, a URL for your audience. Um, what do you typically do? So it'd be like myvitalc.com forward slash Nectar or Dr. Todd. What do you tend to use? Yeah, Dr. Todd would be awesome. Okay, we'll do that. So then then that people can go uh, to myvitalc.com forward slash Dr. Todd. Um, one, if they're interested in trying the product, great, like they can find it there. But also if they click the contact form uh, and say, hey, keep me informed on the health summit, um, we, we will do that for sure. 
Awesome. And yeah, and I can, uh, for our local people, um, all the general public and stuff that want to try that, um, uh, we have a shipment coming. So we have, um, we have that product on the shelves and then we'll have an uh, affiliate link too. So um, we'll be able to, to dial that in there too. So myvitalc.com. Um, do you have a name for your book yet? Yes, it's uh, <laughs> Living, Live Longer and Better. Love it. And uh, yeah, just to... To hold you to a date on that, do you have a <laughs> estimated projection on so, on that? So it's, away? I think I'll be honest. I think that's extremely close. Um, and and the only reason that it's not it, like it's gone back to the editor the second time. Um, I'm sorry, to the publisher the second time. So uh, it really should be out any any time now. the The tagline is "Your journey to living longer and better has never been more achievable than today." Oh, I love it. That's brilliant, brilliant. Well, a couple more, um, a couple more quick questions. And um, you know, as we as we look in the, um, everybody's talking about the medical apocalypse. The four main things that are are taking people out from heart disease, which is inflammatory, to um, you know, diabetes, which goes into neurological health with Alzheimer's and things like that, too. Um, of course, cancer. Where do you see, where do you guys see your research going um, on, of course, longevity, but obviously being, I see this in an integral part of uh, reducing that disease load that this um, uh, American population is carrying and stuff like that. Where, where are your guys' focus right now? Where are you going with this? What do you see, you know, five years from now? Yeah, we're we're really looking uh, to to kind of well, I'm pr pretty busy as you can see right with the health summit and 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 a lot of my focus is yeah. really about longevity, living longer, living healthier, right? And and what is it? What is it? One, you know, some of it is born out of selfishness. What can I do for myself? But as soon as I have something that I believe is good for me, how do I share it? How do I share it with as many people as possible? Um, if you look in terms of this molecule, this ESS60 molecule, we're constantly looking for partners to 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 publish with, to do research with, to to provide material with. We want to look at these inflammatory markers, so that's something that we're we're piecing together a study. Uh, the the really the phase one is, uh, and this is kind of exciting. So that original publication was actually published by Dr. Fathi Musa. He was the lead researcher on that particular study, and it was about nine months ago. Uh, I was just kind of combing through the literature, you know, like a geeky guy does. And I, and I found uh, it was just a short snippet, like a memo, basically, from Dr. Musa. And he's like, listen, it was 10 years ago when I did this study. Those test subjects lived 90 percent longer. Nobody stepped up and done kind of the traditional toxicological studies that are uh, uh, that are accepted by whether it's the FDA or the FDA. He's out of France, you know, whatever the particular organizations are around the world. And uh, I reached out to him and said, well, we have like we've been doing those like that's a part of, hey, this just makes sense to do as a good organization. Let's make sure that we've buttoned everything up, dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's. Would you be interested, Dr. Musa, in publishing the results of these recognized to toxicological studies uh, on, on the ESS-60 molecule. And so we are actually have shopped it around. I think we've landed on a publication uh, that's interested. And so we're about to publish with him. These are, these are all, and I gotta be honest, like again, the original study came out 2013. 
we didn't really start in earnest in 2017. One of the things that held me back is this understanding that that supplement companies tend not to really dig into research, right? And we're just born out of science, right? Like we've been selling this research material to research institutions literally around the world since 91. I, you know, how are we going to fit in the supplement market? And I think what we're doing is just doing it the right way. Let's do that research. uh, And we're always open to partnering with people who uh, really have some kind of novel ideas and are interested in in, in kind of advancing the science of of ESS-60. And and yeah, we're we're looking for those opportunities. Um, Personal question um, for myself (laughs) and some clinical applications that we do. Do you you see this possibly being um, um, a, a component that we can do in IV? You know, uh, I don't I don't know that there's a reason. uh, Well, okay, here's here's I hadn't actually been asked that question. I think it poses some challenges, right? I'm not familiar with kind of IV science, but I think in general, they're water soluble. This molecule is not water soluble. Um, In fact, there are companies that I believe that are on the market selling water soluble versions. And I would never put that. Well, I won't say never. I would not put that in my body now. Right. Because there are not even the rudimentary toxicological studies on that. Um, Is it probably safe? And there's actually good benefits on different systems. Right. So they're they'll put it in a rat and it's, you know, whatever kidney performs better. They'll put it in a rat and its liver performs better. There's reasons to be considering considering this. And there's reasons actually to be doing toxicological studies so that we can start safely consuming it. Um, But they haven't been done yet. So. For that reason, I don't think I don't think you're introducing, you know, vitamin D's through like an oil soluble vitamin through IVs. So that's probably right. not going to happen anytime soon. No, it would good, it would yeah. take, hey, let's do the research. Let's understand that the water soluble version is safe, um, and then then that might happen that way. Yeah, no, that's great data. Great data. Tell me, do you guys know if it's got the possibility, especially with glutathione, of crossing the blood brain barrier at all? And so for like brain. At- oh, we know it does. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, we, we know it does, which let's be realistic. Like one of the things as the medical community is like it, it crosses the blood brain barrier um, at that can be terrifying, right? Because so little crosses the blood brain barrier, the blood brain barrier is there for a reason. And so if you're introducing, you know, chemicals that they've just made in a lab and it's crossing the blood brain barrier, that tends to be probably like that tends to make uh uh, pharmacy, big pharma, and and just science, the scientific community, uh, medical community, very nervous to begin with. Um, in this particular case, remember, it's a naturally occurring molecule. Like, uh, like I can virtually guarantee everyone's had a an ESS sixty molecule in their brain, you know, running around on the other side of their blood brain barrier because it is it it is floating around, and we have had exposure to it. Uh, and it's just so small, it it goes where it needs to go. Um, without without hindrance basically i love it and um i work with a lot of kids that have had reactions and things like that. one of my favorite studies um was the they did hair samples of um i guess if you will non-autistic versus autistic and on the spectrum 
And um, the major the major component was glutathione as a carrier, antioxidant in the brain, and a carrier of heavy metals out into the hair and out in the hair. So the the non-neurologically challenged kids had higher amounts of metals and, and toxins in their hair, which is, of course, that byproduct of that. I don't have any hair. Well, a little bit. <laughs> but the, <laughs> the, the, the components, so I might look at my uh, my heavy metal levels, but the component was the difference was these kids that were on the spectrum had a higher level of uh, uh, lower level glutathione and higher level of these um, these metals in the brain and, and the, the carrier is glutathione. But I could see if this thing is in, in the brain as a holding tank for a lot of these oxidative uh, stressors and we boost glutathione with it as well, that, that neurological impact could be astounding. Have you uh, case studies or anything that you've seen um, out there along those lines? Well, so so in terms of case studies, no, you, you just go back and look at, like I mentioned, our most consistent testimonial. People take it in the morning, they report mental focus and energy yeah. during the day, right? And then better sleep that night. And I think there's two things like, so one of them is the energy and focus, right? So that's yes. talking about kind of brain benefits, you know, nootropics. And then the other thing I think that's really fascinating that can kind of get glossed over. I'm not aware of many things that you can take or do in the morning to positively impact sleep, right? So waking up and exercising. That'll positively impact your sleep that night. Uh, getting exposure to the sun, right? Getting your body's circadian rhythm in line with the rising and falling of the sun. That'll help you sleep that night. There's a book called Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. I don't know if you've had a chance to read it, but I call it the scariest book on sleep you'll ever read. It's the, it's the Freddy Krueger of sleep books, except it will scare you to sleep not awake, right? Freddy Krueger scared you awake out of the nightmares <laughs> because it's 25 years of a, of a researcher, <laughs> of a researcher who's, who's digging into the negative things that happen when you don't, don't get enough sleep. And it's terrifying. Like it's really bad. You know, the, 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 the quintessential example is, you know, we do this, this, uh, uh, daylight savings time every year. And a lot of people don't realize that heart attacks go up by like 25%. When we lose an hour of sleep, heart attacks go down by 25% in that range when we get that hour of sleep back, right? That's like, it has direct physiological you know, impacts. And so again, if you're positively impacting sleep, and, and I always like to point out, like we talked about like the, the antioxidants inside the mitochondria, first is glutathione, but the other one is melatonin right? Yes. We're all familiar with melatonin as a sleep hormone. So now it makes sense that we're impacting sleep because you've got this ESS60 molecule operating the same realm as the melatonin. Um, just pretty, pretty phenomenal possibilities there. Uh, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, so I live in a community. We have we we have some of the largest gold mines in the world, and um, our workers they could be running equipment, they could be doing just uh, supportive aspects of it, anything like that. But they'll do shift work where it's just, and that is our like. Unfortunately, the number one prescribed medication in our town is Ambien. And, um, just because these guys, guys and girls are just shifted off of their, their cycle. Um, so I'm excited to take, 
like uh, take a reel, a clip out of what what we're talking about now, because that's one thing that when people ask us, what's the best thing I can do to shift my health on? I'm like, sleep, 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 sleep. We've got to get that that schedule. Um, even um, talking uh, to a lot of these workers, like whatever you can do to get on a consistent day shift, just make it happen. Um, but um, I see so many applications um, uh, with this as well. I want to, I know we're coming up on an hour and I appreciate your time. You're a busy man. Um, a favorite, favorite story that you've heard with the ESSS uh, 60. Well, well, let me, I just want to touch cause you talked about Ambien. Yeah, go ahead. And it's something that I wish I'd gotten my, my dad off of uh, uh, before he passed. Um, the, the in that book, Dr. Matthew Walker talks about the two billion dollar sleep aid industry and, and Ambien's one of his his targets and and what Ambien does, which is, is pretty amazing. Right. So we talked about the, the the mitochondria and it produces ATP. The A in ATP is adenosine as adenosine builds up in your body that causes you to desire sleep. Right. What Ambien does, and I believe the other prescription drugs do, but don't quote me on that, um, is it wakes you up with having relieved the chemical pressure to desire sleep, right? So how refreshing would that feel if you've woken up every day for the last 10 days and you still want more sleep, and then you wake up today and you don't want more sleep, you, that's got to feel refreshing. But what Dr. Walker talks about is it's not letting you get the REM sleep and the in-REM sleep that's actually healing and restoring you, right? It's knocking you out. And so you're unconscious, you're relieving the pressure of adenosine, not getting any healing, and then you're going throughout your day. So this is, this is bad. I, I, and I can share with you kind of a couple instances where, uh, you know, consistent testimonials uh, regarding sleep. So my business coach, I love, like, we have tons of anecdotes, right? For me, what what really resonates is not oh I feel better, but but binary zeros and ones, black and white, right? My business coach said for fifty years before he started taking my vital C, he needed an alarm clock to wake up. Soon as he started taking my vital C, he's waking up before the alarm. And this is like he's a business coach. He's you know going to dinners and now drinking and whatever. Still, and every now and then he runs out, and so he needs his alarm clock again. And he says it's right at about six days that he needs the alarm clock again. Um, so, so that's, that's really impactful in terms of, you know, kind of a binary, binary sleep. Um, and, and that is one of our most consistent testimonials is that sleep. Oh, and I can share this. So my wife and I, we like to travel. We actually went to Greece recently and we, we tend not to get jet lag, right? So jet lag is brutal. Greece is, you know, eight hours different, something like that. That's, you know, a lot of them, a lot of people say like it takes a day per hour, right, to get caught up. Well, we were there for 10 days, didn't skip a beat, came back, didn't skip a beat. Um, So people often say even when, you know, when they're taking our product on those nights where they don't get as much sleep as they would like, right, you should be getting about seven and a half to nine hours of sleep opportunity. When they're not doing that, they feel significantly more rested than they would have. And remember, they're taking it in the morning. They're not taking it right. So this cannot be working as something that's knocking them out. This is actually yeah. something they take in the morning and positively impacts your sleep later. And again, if it's in the mitochondria, kind of hand in hand with the melatonin, like that makes a lot of sense. Ah, uh, that's huge. I'm excited. And then favorite I'm- story. All right, let me see. Yeah. 
our largest distributor here in Houston, I did a video with her and she originally bought the product for her dog. She had no intent of like taking it. It was like, you know, my dog's slowing down. I want to, you know, I've heard good things. Let me get it for my dog. She noticed such a profound difference in her dog that she was like, okay, now I got to take it. Right. So uh, one of the things I like about pet testimonials is there is no placebo on pets. They don't wake up with twice the energy or puppy like or whatever because they got their little dropper of of my vital C. No, they like they just act the way they feel. So that's that, that's uh, something that I really appreciate. Now, in this video I did with her, she said, you know, if you had asked me at the three month mark, have I noticed anything from taking this on a regular basis? My first instinctual response would have been, no, I haven't really noticed anything. But then I stopped and I, and I took stock of my life and I'm like, wait a minute, I, I'm working later, right? I'm waking up earlier. I was never a morning person. And then arguably the worst testimonial about a supplement in history, uh, I cleaned my garage. <laughs> so, but, but that means something, right? So you not cleaning your garage is maybe the emotional baggage because we actually do have kind of emotional related um, you know, people saying I, I, my, I found my fuse to be longer with my child. This was actually with somebody in the middle of quitting smoking, which like those two <laughs> statements together usually don't happen. Right. Um, so we have that emotion or it's just energy. Like I can, I can tell you, um, you know, I, I don't take naps anymore. Like, okay, that's not true. I take a nap once a month or whatever on extreme occasions or out of boredom. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I used to take I have to embarrassingly admit, all right, this is, I wasn't going to go here, but uh, that I used to take two naps before noon on Saturdays and Sundays. And the way this would work, we have, my wife and I, we have twins. I would wake up early in the morning. I would lay on the couch. The twins would actually sit on top of me and we would watch cartoon. Well, I would sleep. They would watch cartoons. That was nap <laughs> number it, one, by it. the way. <laughs> Right. A friend, but if you're doing that, then you are also a brilliant father because they can't get up and do stuff without waking you up. <laughs> this is the perfect like napping and still babysitting scenario. Um, and then breakfast, we would go downstairs, have breakfast. We would come back and resume the position literally every Saturday and Sunday before I was taking this on a regular basis. I was taking two naps, um, you know, unless we were out on vacation or out of, you know, doing something. But that that was true. And then I started taking the product. I would, would kind of assume the position. Right. And I'm just not going to sleep. And so I got up and, you know, got stuff done. I didn't necessarily clean the garage, but I think that it's that energy, that extra energy that kind of speaks to that. So that's, that's one of my favorite testimonials. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, phenomenal information, phenomenal research. Uh, this has been a fun journey with you today. I, I greatly appreciate your time. And then uh, I'm excited to see how many lives this will continue to change. And uh, um, as you guys continue to, to do the work behind the scenes and, and um, on the studies that are going to come out like we need them. Um, you know, I, I hope people understand that um, um, oftentimes people like you are holding yourself to a standard uh, beyond what even medicine is held to. Uh, you know, when we talk about supplements mm. and things like that, that, that a lot of times medicines are, are launched um, under this same criteria with with the potential, um, you know, uh, even deadly um, components that can be. So um, jump in. You guys need to be taking this as a doctor, as uh, as just a, a lay public and stuff like that, uh, too. Uh, energy sleep is what I hear. Uh, Chris, tell us, I mean, just recap where, um, so myvitalc.com, any other any other um, handles or Instagrams or anything you want to drop in here so people can uh, watch you, follow you, 
um, get in touch with uh, your company? Yeah, well, well, so first, make sure they go to myvitalc.com forward slash Dr. Todd, right? Perfect. Um, okay. What I like to describe there is you'll find our products. We tend to recommend the olive oil uh, for two reasons. We're a science-based organization. The first reason is all the research is in olive oil, right? So take that. Um, and the second reason is the highest concentration of that ESS-60 molecule is in the olive oil product. So take that. On, on that page, right, again, myvitalc.com forward slash Dr. Todd, uh, they'll find individual bottles or a subscription for 25% off. Take advantage of that. Don't worry. Our, you can cancel it at any time. Uh, our, our customer service team has like 700 five-star reviews. They are not trained to talk you out of your subscription. Just take advantage of that, even if you're just going to take one. And also, I'm gonna make a, I'll am going to make a coupon code. Uh, Dr. Todd will get them uh, $15 off of their initial order. Um, yeah, you know, we're on if you if you search my vital C, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, uh, connect with us there. We've got a Facebook group uh, that you can follow up if you've got some some questions. We're excited about that. And yeah, like, uh, please reach out like our staff can answer like 99% of the questions you might have. Uh, but if you want to speak with me, you can usually kind of cajole them and they'll, they'll we'll have a conversation. <laughs> Sweet talk him a little bit. Awesome. Well, Chris, again, appreciate it. Keep crushing it, brother. You are uh, um, just a gem in this world of uh, um, of chaos and and health, and it, it's it's nice to have these components in there. So, again, so grateful that you jumped on with me today, and uh, um, look forward with uh, uh, chatting with you again. Thank you, Doctor Todd. It was great connecting with you. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> you too. Bye.